Yo, 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 where do you think you're going? What do you think you're doing? You better chill out. You better sit down because the Our Success Podcast is about to begin. Good morning, guys. Welcome to another podcast from Our Success Team. Today, we want to talk about the housing market, the real estate market, the rental market, the apartments, and everything else that, uh, as human beings, we need as as a basic uh, survival tool for us. We all need a shelter on our over our heads. And right now, with everything that's going on between COVID nineteen, our economy, the stimulus package, there is a lot for us to talk about. So I'm going to pass the mic around. Make sure everybody gets a chance to say hi. How you doing, Christy? I'm doing great. Hope everybody's doing good out there and uh, excited to chat about this. What up, guys? How's it going? How's it going? Is your boy B back at it again? Uh, I wasn't in the last episode, which uh, I know a lot of you guys are, are a little sad about it. And it's OK. I'm back, guys. It's OK. If you were sad about it, drop a like below or don't leave a comment at all. <laughs> so I know how sad you guys were. All right, guys, so here's the deal. I was on trends.google.com. I don't know how many of you guys out there use this tool, but it's a fantastic tool to show us what is trending in our community. So when I went to trends.google.com, I put in Reno, Nevada, and I tried to look at the trends over the last 12 months. I looked at homes, I looked at houses, I looked at all kinds of keywords that you can possibly think about when it comes to a related topic like our housing. The one thing that stood out the most to me is apartments. The recent trajectory for apartments is going through the roof. It's almost nearly doubled in search just in the last little bit. I don't know what you think this is about. I have an idea, but maybe I should just keep my thoughts to myself before I open it up. What do you think is causing that? I think people are definitely trying to uh save money because uh as i'm looking at some other stats too like not just regular apartments but only one bed and two bedrooms are the ones that are kind of going through the roof so that kind of makes me think a little bit more so you think it's basically people trying to save money moving out of their houses moving into apartments yeah because i mean as much as like people want to live comfortably i feel like right now they don't really have a choice so it's like either you live in a in a house or you basically you know hopefully not live out in the street, but you kind of have a choice. For sure. So while I, uh, I pass this to Christy, can you look up the average home size, let's say in Europe or Asia compared to average household house size over here? Because I have a feeling we live in much, much bigger homes than other people in the rest of the world, but I'm not really sure. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I agree. I think there's uh, probably definitely people here that are starting to figure out where they can probably cut costs. Um, and so going from, you know, a big house to an apartment, especially if you, um, if your income has been cut at this point, um, I could, I could see that that's causing uh, possibly some of that spike. There's 17 million people that have gotten through so far that file for unemployment. There are so many others that haven't gotten through yet, or God forbid, they might be laid off in the near future. So if I were to be, I guess, aggressive, I would probably want to say my estimate is double that, right? So if it's, we're at 17 million now, almost 20 million, I'm thinking we're going to see 33 million people unemployed probably, right, before this whole thing is done. I hope not. And I'm guessing to your point, that causes a lot of people to go down in house sizes to save a little bit more money. But also, I'm not seeing a big trend in tiny homes or other things. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. Well, I don't think, uh, I mean, I don't 
my personal opinion is I don't think a lot of people are going to be in the in the buyer's market unless they've been sitting off to the side. So I do have, I can think of one friend of all my friends um, who you know they make they make decent money and they've been sitting off to the side. So people like that may jump in to buy homes, um, but I think majority of people they're they are not going to buy homes, especially because right now. At least, again, on my side, looking at everything, I would absolutely not buy a home right now because I definitely think that those prices are going to adjust. And if, you know, so if it was me, I would be looking for an apartment because I would want to ride this out for the next year to see where I'm at. And even if I'm an investor, you know, I would still be waiting to see how everything ends up um panning out. So I, I watch a lot of the market just because I love real estate. And um, when I first started looking at the market here, when we first moved here, there wasn't as much. But I would say over the last couple of months, especially the last month, um, when I look on um, Redfin, for instance, there's a lot more houses coming onto the market. And I think there were people that were, you know, iffy about whether they wanted to sell or not and now they know if they don't get out right now which you know in my opinion it's already too late but i think those people now that has pushed them into the market to sell Um, but i still think the prices that they're asking for it's just it's way above what somebody's going to be willing to pay in my opinion for sure and while we're talking about this can you also look up maybe some uh prices for apartments see if they've gone down or they're going up or what you think about that so actually, I, I did kind of look into that. And Brian, maybe you can chime in a little bit more here too. I don't see a huge drop in prices at this point. Um, you know, it'll be interesting because part of the, you know, it kind of all feeds into each other. As people move out of houses and into apartments, um, that can also hold steady that rate or even increase it. So we'll have to see, you know, kind of how everything pans out. But at this point, I don't... I don't see an adjustment in rents, and um, so we'll see. Right. So I was looking at the uh, the average houses uh, house sizes around the world, and surprisingly, we're not the biggest uh, country to have like the biggest houses. Really? Yeah. So the biggest one right now would be Australia. So funny thing is, you can actually fit twenty two point six houses from Hong Kong in a house one house in Australia. Which is crazy, right? That's crazy. So it's it goes Australia, the biggest one, then it goes down to the US, then it goes down to Canada, and then Denmark. So just because we don't have the worst record on earth still doesn't mean that we're a no, lot. Right, right. <laughs> right. No. It seems like we're, we're still a lot bigger than Hong Kong, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So in an average American house, you can fit 11.2 houses. So 11.2 houses in China can be fit inside of an average American house. So that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Guys, look, I know a lot of people are hurting, and I know we're not going through this by choice. But I guess the question what I want to throw out there is that, is this unhealthy? I don't think this is a bad thing for us to contract a little bit, right? I mean, God knows I drive a, a huge truck and it's just one of me. Now, do I need a four-seater plus a huge bed in the back if I don't necessarily 
do that kind of driving all the time? Do I need to me myself personally? I hate to bring this up ourselves, but let me light shine some light on ourselves. Christy and I live in a much probably bigger house than we probably need. I'm not saying it's a huge house by any means, but we have one or two extra bedrooms that we don't use. We use one of them right now for our office, but there is a guest bedroom that we have that we don't necessarily need. So the question I guess becomes, is it smart for us to downside? Is it healthy for us to downsize or is it not? How do you feel about it? Yeah, so um, with Ash and I, actually, we are downsizing because we don't need the extra room. And um, again, we don't live in a really big house by any means, um, but it's there's no need for us to have that extra room and even the extra square footage. So for us, we actually are going to be downsizing and it's something that we've been taking into consideration over the past two years. We have been downsizing. We have been shedding costs. I think a lot of it's because we did see this coming. Um, and so it was important for us to make sure that we could still run our business and do what we needed to do, um, even if we were to hit you know, a depression. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I don't think downsizing is bad at all. I think we've, as Americans, we've, you know, really highlighted this really glamorous life with big homes and three cars or, you know, whatever. And um, I think that that's had its own repercussions. Um, you know, you have to think about when you go and you get a big house, for instance, it's not just the big house you buy. It's the landscaping that you have to do, the water to, you know, water the plants, you know, the lights. Yeah, exactly. There are so many costs associated with that. So, you know, it's not just about getting into a house that you can barely afford, for instance, because it's a, a big, nice home, because if you can barely afford it, then you're, you know, when these types of incidences come around, um, like the uh, pandemic and stuff, um, most of those people won't be able to hang in there just because of the high costs associated with a bigger home or a luxury car. You know, people don't factor that in. Yeah, it's not just buying, it's also maintaining of it too. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you guys think this is going to affect like other people? So if let's say, you know, a quarter of the population of the U.S. is going to start moving down to apartments from their homes, do you guys think that's going to like affect the price of the apartments because then it's got the demand is going to go up. So obviously they're not going to be building things as fast. So how do you guess think that's going to affect the, uh, I guess the, the apartment rates? Like, is it going to be harder for like people that don't make as much to get an apartment rather than, uh, like someone who has more money to get an apartment or how do you guess think that's going to, I think basics of it is supply and demand. So to your point, if there are 100,000 people that want apartments, but we only have 20,000, obviously the prices are going to go up dramatically. Uh, but also I will re probably rely on Christy because for majority of her adult life, she's been in real estate, not in transactional real estate. She's always been on the operational side. And the last company that she worked for, for uh, almost nearly a little shy of a decade virtually uh, was in commercial real estate. So if you don't mind, let me, let me rely on her expertise for this. So the question is, do are the do you think that the apartment rates are going to? Can you give me what's the so question? How, how is like how is the um, I guess the the lower class of people that I guess that don't make as much money going to be affected by people that do have the money to afford these houses that want to downsize so they don't spend as much money and they can actually crunch the their spending rates I guess. Yeah, so a lot of that's going to depend on, like you said, supply and demand. So what do we have here mm -hmm. um, and what's available? But 
I do think, you know, anytime that there's an application process, they look at your credit score. Right, right. You know, they, they look at things like that. Do you have a job? How many people are employed in your family mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So I do think that it could disproportionately affect people on the lower end mm-hmm. if you do start you know, having people drop in that maybe have a little bit more of a higher credit score, you know, they maybe both are still employed or maybe one's still employed. They have a higher salary than somebody else because they're going to look at that. At the end of the day, apartments are investments. Let's be real. So when, you know, people, when they're going to put you in there, they want to make sure you're going to pay. So I do think they're, you know, they do look at those things. But again, I don't know enough about how many apartments are here. So I can't really say exactly but um i do think that that could have an effect so do do you guys think the homeless population would go up due to that well yeah so anytime that there's a recession depression and epidemic like this uh, homelessness absolutely goes up well right now we have a zero percent homeless population here in reno because we have houseless people but reno is their home I'm just kind of joking about that just because we like to call them houseless because we still, we want we want to say Reno is your home. We're not going to ever ask you to leave because Reno is still your home, but you might not have a house. But here's what I would say as a counter argument to that. A lot of people like growing up, coming up, when I didn't have a whole lot of money, if I was in this position right now, guess who would have moved back in with? Parents. Parents, exactly. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to have a shortage of housing when I'm in that circumstance, if you make less than $20,000 a year, if you make less than $15,000 a year or $12,000 a year, there is a potential chance that you might be better off having a housemate, having a roommate. I think at this given point, you have to realize we used to all live in a, in a tent. We used to grow up over the past 200,000 years living in some sort of shelter or something. And we used to all share that with each other, right? right. I know my background and Brian, your background too, is probably a little bit more closer to each other than let's say the Western background, right? And even with that said too, again, conserving guys is not a bad thing. As, as somebody, as a human being that I know for a fact one day I'm going to die, I don't want to have a huge imprint left on earth. I want to have an impact, but I I don't want to have a huge imprint. So if I don't have to use as much fossil fuels, if I don't have to use as much house, if I don't have to use as much concrete or wood and so on and so forth, think about your house. Imagine how many trees had to sacrifice their lives for you to have this extra closet. Now, are you a good human being if you keep cutting down trees when we have a, a problem with, let's say, Amazon forest? If we have a problem, let's say, in Australia being set on fire and all these things that are going on, I don't mind downsizing. I don't mind being content. I got to be honest with you guys. I think being on the very poor side and also being on the wealthier side, I can tell you my happiness levels never really change. It's always from zero to 100%. I had a lot of opportunities to be even happier when I didn't have as much because I was content. But this does not go without saying that money is not a bad thing at all. A lot of problems are easier to resolve and solve and get through if you do have the resources, the money, and so on and so forth. I'm not saying about that. But attaching your happiness to that, attaching to your happiness that, oh, if I don't live in a 2,200 square foot house, I'm not going to be happy. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. So I think a lot of people are going to move back with their folks. A lot of people are going to end up having roommates and so on and so forth. I don't know if there's going to be a shortage of the houses because if there is a shortage, guess what? A lot of investors are going to get in there, maybe California investors, maybe Chinese investors, maybe Russian investors, or maybe just regular old American investors that are around here. They're going to develop as many quick solutions as they possibly can for probably a lot of of cheaper costs and go about it that way. 
And the last thing I want to throw out in there is that these are the times for innovation. Can you build a house with 3D printers right now? If you can, guess what? You're in business right now, right? If you can turn a house around in, let's say, 30 days, 40 days, if you can come up with that kind of innovation to change an entire industry, like real estate industry is one of the oldest industries that has ever been around the history of humanity. So this is the time for us to innovate. So I don't necessarily look at it in a bad way. Yeah, no, I don't either. I think we kind of touched on that in the last podcast. I think, too, it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what developers do um, because, you know, there's been a lot of development here. And I have to be honest, I don't see the bodies for it. So it'll be interesting to see what these developers do. You know, um, one thing that I think about is if I'm a developer at this point, especially with everything going on, I'm going to put those houses up for rent because there's not going to be, in my opinion, a ton of buyers. So to kind of go back to Brian's question, um, you know, if the developers, for instance, start renting those homes Mm -hmm. at a decent price, because we'll have to see what they put them out there at, you know, because if it's too high, people are not going to, they're going to say no way. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if it's reasonable, you might actually see these people that are in homes downsizing to smaller homes. Um, again, if it makes sense, and then maybe that would open up a little bit more of the, the apartments for that lower income that you're touching on. But even if like you, you lower the prices, let's say like, how are you going to lower the price to kind of let someone afford those, those houses? If, if, for example, if it's like a five bedroom house, like how, how would that work? I think part of it is up to us. You know, if we don't go for that five bedroom house, then the market has to adjust to us too. Cause you got to remember, Brian, I think a lot of the power is actually in the hands of us people. The only reason why the stock market is going up like crazy when it shouldn't be from on days is because we are, forgive me for saying this, we're stupid enough still to throw good money after bad money. Right. We have this false sense of security that I don't know, government's going to figure it out. No, government is one of us. Like the dude sitting at the DMV is not going to figure out your life for you. If you don't start conserving right now, if you don't start being smart, guys, I hate to say it. This is, we're playing chess over here and we're getting our ass kicked left and right because we don't even know the first thing about finances. Christy and I watched an hour and a half uh, interview yesterday by this amazing lady, Danielle, and she was, she worked for the Federal Reserve and dude, this whole thing was so insightful. It's crazy out of this world. Christy has done a lot more research on that. She read the book, uh, Creatures of Jackal Island, and she's done a lot of research on the banking system and how the system works. And this is what we have to do as a family to survive i'm not interested in what time it is i'm interested in how the clock works like i learned from a good friend of mine jeep right and that's what he told me and i was i love that whole saying because i'm not interested in making money right now in the stock market i'm interested in how the stock market works so i can make sure i'm i'm fulfilled and set up in the right way for the next 40 years right and i think again that level of um when you bring up the stock market pretty much everybody unless you're actually in it um they don't understand the stock market i mean i hate to say this but even you know financial advisors half the time they don't even understand the complexities of the stock market so um 
I agree. Coming from the tech world, there's this thing, guys, you got to look it up. It's called HFT, high frequency trading. There are algorithms that I've had the privilege of consulting for or working with in the past that all they do, they look at big data. And before you actually make a decision as a human being, they can trade stocks many, many, many times before you do that. Let's say I'm sitting on my E-Trade account right now. I see Tesla being at, let's just call it a dollar. As soon as I hit buy, that frequency between the time I hit click the buy button on my computer here in Reno, by the time it goes to Wall Street in New York and looks at that stock and buys it from me, comes back, it's probably half a second, maybe, right? But in that half a second, there's potentially thousands and thousands of trades already being done, not only just on my little trade, on other trades as well, to make more and more money. This is fractional money making. It's like that old story that you would hear that uh, some guy in some bank would, for example, not steal even a penny. Maybe they would steal a fraction of a penny from each customer. But over time, if you, 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 you add it all up, it becomes a lot of money. Yeah, I just wanted to say one thing too, is that if you look at, um, and Danielle, she touched on this yesterday, corporate debt is the highest that it's ever been. So let's think about that for a minute. Corporate debt. Where is all that corporate debt? Wall Street. Right. Stock market. Right. Silicon Valley. So if that's where your money is, your pension, your 401k, what does that mean for you? And everybody keeps saying, oh, the government will bail us out or, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll keep my money in the stock market for 30 years. But these people don't understand that corporate debt is at its highest that it's ever been. It's not sustainable. So right now, you know, one of the reasons that the market is so high is because of these bailouts. So what's happening is Wall Street is rich, but Main Street is poor. And I would say, I would even virtue out and say a lot of things that are happening right now. If you look at some of even the things that have been put in our stimulus package, they're unconstitutional. We're not supposed to have it this way. Our, our representatives, our banks are supposed to be protecting us. But truth of the matter is we're getting the, uh, uh, the blanket pulled over our heads a little bit over here because we think, oh, we're getting a $1,200 check. But the truth of the matter is we're not getting a $1,200 check at all. This $1,200 is probably going to cost me $6,000 and I'm borrowing only against myself. And I would urge you guys to at least I know there's a lot of people out there like myself included that don't really know much about like this whole topic. So if you guys can like research all of this and, you know, do your own research and kind of really like look into what Christy and Ash are talking about, I think it would be very beneficial for not just yourself, but your business, your family and everything else that kind of revolves around you guys. For sure. One of the things that I learned through research is that our government has to have power right? And I love our government. You guys know this by now. I, I have experienced life in seven different countries and there's no other better country than the United States of America. But that doesn't mean that from time to time we have to deal with corruption. Our people in power right now, instead of giving money to our American people, they say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're going to give our money to the banks. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not even going to go into who owns the banks or who's behind it because that, that, that will lead us into conspiracy theories and so on and so forth. But let's just, just play, play with me just for a moment. Instead of giving the money directly to us, they give it to the banks at 0% interest. And then the banks get to loan it to us 
at a little bit of a higher interest so they make money on free money basically for them instead of our american government giving the taxpayer money back to ourselves directly all of a sudden we get it we put it in the hands of the banks these select few banks they get to loan it to us and if we god forbid default on these loans guess what happens to me i lose everything whether it's my mortgage, my house, my car being repoed, whatever the case is, right? So unfortunately, these are the a lot of the things that on our average American person necessarily doesn't have the time to look into. So me, the the person, the kid that happens to have a little bit of extra time on my hands or the curiosity to look into these things, the more I look into it, the scarier it gets, actually. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I hope you liked your stimulus money because, <laughs> again, that $2.2 trillion you got you got oh my gosh pennies based on what all these big banks got what all these businesses got and even with these business loans I highly highly recommend that you know what you're doing because I do believe you still have to go back and apply for forgiveness and if you don't follow those rules step by step guarantee you they are not going to give you um, or at least they're going to fight with you about forgiving those loans so you know, the biggest thing I try to tell people is the banks are not your friend. And I know the lady sitting behind the desk, she's really nice and they're really nice to you, but they are not your friends. Majority of people do not know how to use debt. They just don't, unless you are a savvy investor. And again, savvy investor, you talk to people, I'm a savvy investor. Well, I'm a savvy investor. No, I'm talking about people that you know, have been doing this. They understand money. They understand the Federal Reserve and how the loans work and, and all of that stuff, which is very few people. The last thing that I want Like who? Who do you look up to? Who do I look up to for? For that, like Robert Kiyosaki? Yeah, I'm a big Robert Kiyosaki fan. I really like... Um, uh, Patrick, but David is really good. He's really been hitting on some of this stuff lately. So um, I was just going to say, I highly, highly recommend people... Um, look up the interview between Patrick Bet David and Daniel Danielle I'm sorry DiMartino she was in a Federal Reserve Bank and I like to get my information from people who are also actually on the ground and she she did she worked at I think it was for like five nine years, nine years or ten years okay yeah so she worked in uh, one of the Federal Reserve Banks and I highly recommend again it's Patrick Bet David and he's talking to Danielle DiMartino D-I-M-A-R-T-I-N-O. And I highly recommend, it's about an, it's over an hour, but I highly recommend that people actually listen to that. And it is a little bit scary, but it's not meant to scare you. If you don't know these things, you are going to be crushed. And again, majority of people, they're going to get crushed because they don't want to talk about these things. They are uncomfortable. They do make you, you know, have some anxiety. But I can tell you that if you know this stuff, you are much better prepared and you can pivot accordingly. And you're much better off than somebody who digs their head in the sand or who is loading up on a bunch of debt. So it's really important that, you know, I would recommend watching that. That, that was really insightful. I love the subliminal thing, that subconscious thing in your head that you say, oh, it's it's about an hour or over an hour. It's about an hour and a half, actually. But here's the truth about our society. We much rather spend two hours watching a movie or three hours just scrolling endlessly on our social media than watch an hour and a half of something that's actually going to help save us and our lives and so on and so forth. Any final thoughts, you guys? I think Kara Baskin's behind all this. 
<laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'll just leave it with uh, the banks are not your friend. So do your own research. Think independently. Don't listen to what they're trying to tell you in the media. That's why I've, I've, I recommend this um, this interview that that uh, Patrick Bet David did because this is the kind of stuff you need to be uh, you know researching for yourself. You need to think independently. My final thoughts are going off of what Christy said. It's not that the banks are your enemy. When we say the banks are not your friend, you got to realize this is a football game, right? If I'm going against Team A versus Team B, we're not friends for doing that game. I, you and I can shake hands before and after the game. We can grab beer right after it too. But the truth of the matter is this, during that game, we are not friends. This is a game. This is a game of capitalism. This is a game of money. And if you don't understand money, you're 100% are always going to lose to to your competitors so banks are not your friend but they're also not your enemy they're just really good at their game and we can easily beat them at their own game if we know how to do it in the next episode i'm going to get a little bit more into that as far as what christy and i are doing to make sure we're beating the banks at their own game and we love you guys we hope this is inf this information is useful to you we put in so much time and effort into making sure we deliver the best information to you guys based on our own research and as you know we always recommend you also doing your own research as well Love you. I was just going to say one other thing is um, we're a big fans of Robert Kiyosaki. So um, if you just look him up and some of his, um, you know, ideas of money and how how everything is kind of set up, he's also definitely somebody else too. I want to make sure I have the last word. So Robert Kiyosaki, Ray Dalio, uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, you look them all up. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Tribe, if you hear something from us that resonates with you, please share it with other people. Talk about it. Don't keep it just to yourself. Conversation creates more education. And also, always, always, always fact check everything you hear. So hopefully, this creates more education for you, more conversation. Talk to each other. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends about it. And we will see you next time.